She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. staying at her apartment for a little while and she had a magnet on her fridge that said it said like a clean house is a sign of a wasted life yes yes and i thought that was hilarious what's funny what's funny about what's really funny about this is we ended up cleaning her apartment right after right after we saw that uh because it was kind of messy two people at all times and it's like a part of me is like oh very nice you want to encourage dad that's out of boy out of boy and then the, the french part of me is like jesus christ kid if you have stuff falling off your back your backyard just give it to me don't sell it to me you greedy bastard My definition of hippie is someone who smokes a lot of pot and doesn't really have very developed ideas and just thinks of everything as like a wavy gravy spirituality where it's like there's they haven't really thought about it a lot because they're smoking way too much pot. Oh Jesus! It. Okay, it's Let's cool, see. man. It's just cool. Just bear with me. I'm trying to make a point here. I'm not trying to argue what a hippie is. Right on. Right oh on. My God, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Oh boy, Alistair. Oh boy. Oh, what is it? What is it? We have a new review. Ah! <laughs> this is literally what happens in the caravan every time we have a new review. Yes, we have a new review, and I'm gonna tell you who it's from. It's from Jess. Jess the Mess. 527. We know Jess. We definitely do. Jess was a participant in our Yosemite backpacking retreat last summer. Yeah, with Ripple Out Retreats. And uh, we love man, her. She's amazing. She's a really cool woman. And uh, I felt really blessed to to get to walk with her. Uh, she she turned out to be quite a warrior on on our trek. I can, I yeah, I so I've heard. Um, she left us a review and she gave us five stars. Thank you so Aww. much, Jess. And this is regarding the episode called Navigating Change, Staying with Hard Conversations. And she says, Miss you guys so much. Listening to you guys while at the gym, on the treadmill, literally laughing out loud. It makes me so happy. I randomly selected this episode and it's like I was supposed to hear it. Alexandra from Yosemite was just telling me about IFS. So I feel smart when I know and I've heard of the topics you friends bring up. (laughs) Thank you for bringing sense to my day and allowing me to feel comforted slash normal that life is all about change, connection, and sometimes connection can be hard, especially to yourself. I wish you, friends, the best of luck on this new journey, wherever life takes you after the caravan. Mm. I can't even begin to really, like, deconstruct everything that I love about this. Like, first, Jess, thank you for wishing us a a good journey post-caravan life. This is definitely going to be a big change. But I just want to say, like, I'm so excited to hear what listening to us feel like in your daily life. I... I have people that I listen to that make me feel like 
I'm feeling slightly normal. So if I can do that for someone else, I'm beyond happy. Julie Roxanne's the feelings woman. I'm all about the ideas. Yes. But you're you're the feelings person. I'm just a ball of feeling right now. It, it's funny because if if we were to define the goal of the show, which we're trying to do actually. <laughs> I will talk about the ideas and the thinking aspect, and you'll talk about how you want people to feel. Yes, yes, and that what she said is exactly how I want people to feel.、Oh. Jess, thank you so much. We love you. We love you, Jess. Well, hello, beautiful listener, and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Bienvenue. 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 Hello, welcome. <laughs> It's good to see you. <laughs> that, that wasn't a French accent. <laughs> I don't know. Just go with it. What are we talking about today, Julie Roxanne? Oh, today we have a typical, typical Alistair and Julie Roxanne conversation. Goes、Ooh. all over the place. Has a little bit of rants. A lot of、uh, things that are probably going to make you laugh. And we do one thing we love the most: is we explore the differences between France and America. Yeah, because France is fucking crazy. America is a place filled with nutso. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> If you wonder why I laugh every time Alistair says this, is because there's usually a five-second period before he actually says anything that I, I'm probably、I'm, doesn't make the tape, but where he just like looks and thinks about ways he could do it differently, and he has this like funny, quirky, like childish, mischievous look on his face, and I just love it. Hello, everyone. Hello, Alistair. Hi. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever you are and whatever time it is, it's good to have you here. <laughs> oh, what time? What? Yes, go ahead. I was going to say we're beginning to empty out the caravan. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. A lot of the stuff that we usually hang on the walls and stuff are leaving. I'm、uh, desperately trying to summon the gods to send us a buyer. Yeah, by emptying this place and making it clear that we are indeed leaving. To make things more difficult, our car crapped out on us a, a week or two ago. Oh yeah, it's true. We never mentioned that on the、no. podcast. We don't have. A, we haven't. It's not fun talking about car troubles. Everyone has car troubles. <laughs> you don't want to, you know. Yeah. Well, we don't have a car anymore. <clears throat>、yeah. Um, and it. Ha- Old Michelle is in the dump now. Man, Michelle. She served us well, but she definitely was a bitch near the end. Yeah, bad timing. Bad timing. So we are stranded in a caravan in southwest France. <laughs> Imagine if you don't have a car here, like you don't get to a lot of places.、So、I, we- I haven't left the property other than for walks in at least a week. It's it's bad, people. It's, it's bad. Alistair's got the the cabin fever.、Uh, the I think the Southwest France fever. He's just we're ready to get out. Yeah. Also, Leyland is not a very interesting part of France. Fuck no. I mean, what happens here is basically they 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 farm trees. So there's just rows and rows and rows of trees. Yeah. They're all the same kind. It's like all monoculture where there aren't trees. There's cornfields. Yes. And then occasionally there's big houses with lawns that Leylandians love. 
to mow lawns. Oh. They live for it. That's all. That's all. That's there is all to they do. do, and they have really big ones. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. They're they're always mowing lawns all the time. <laughs> all just mowing lawns, and then the grass grows, and they do it again, and you're just like one of the ways you know uh, the the social status of someone here is you see their lawnmower. It's like if you if they've got one of those ones where you can sit on and drive uh, like a little are, tractor, it's like yeah. you've made it. Yeah. See, our uh, Gilles, uh, the uh, the landowner that whose land we live on. Yeah. He's one up to everyone. He's got an actual tractor, yeah. and he just drags like a <laughs> he, I don't know what you would call it, like a mesh kind of <laughs> yes. metal uh, chain mail behind it, and yeah. that's how he mows his lawn because his lawn's not big, and he's got to do that. Yeah. But uh, I always get frustrated when I when I have to mow the lawn, and I'm just like, God damn it, it's gonna grow back next week. We just have to do this again. <laughs> You know what the hell is the point? What is the point? <laughs> we're not sure. We're not sure about Leland anymore. I don't think we were ever sure, but now we're really ready to go. Like really, really ready to go. You know, it's when you decide that you're gonna leave. Then oh. after that, like you just have no patience yeah, for yeah, the place. Like yeah. it used to be fine, and then all of a sudden, it's like, no, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, I gotta get out of here. So that's where we're at. <laughs> In other news. I've just realized, not actually recently, but Julie Roxanne, I was doing laundry yesterday. And no, 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 no. I did laundry and you, hang it, <laughs> you hung it with me. That doesn't count as doing laundry. I was hanging laundry yesterday and I realized, this is so French of you, you have so many striped shirts. Like all the shirts, you, you're wearing think, a striped shirt right now. I think, well, you too. Might I say not That's the true. same this... kind of stripes, but you, yes. yeah, it's... but I, yeah, I, I guess actually, I think all my shirts are, are striped. striped. Yeah, all different kinds of stripes, just, and they're all very I, French. I just... You know, those kind of like nautical ones. And, yeah, they're like that. I just love it. I can't help it. <laughs> but maybe this is a, a good way into our conversation today. Yes, yes, it probably is. Do you want to tell how this conversation started, or should I? Well. Yeah. <laughs> This conversation started. Yeah, why don't you say it? So we we work two two times a week. We we uh, help and work with our landowner Gilles, um, and uh, we give him a hand with whatever he needs work. It's a pretty big piece of land. He's got the main house, uh, which he rents out bedrooms. They do that kind of a bed and breakfast thing. Yeah, there's uh, the. Uh, Jeez. Camino. Oh, yeah. The Camino de Santiago goes right by the house. So he's always putting up pilgrims and travelers and vacationers. He also has a couple of jeets, which are kind of like guest houses that are just a, a couple minutes walk from the property. And there's, there's three more houses yeah. over there. So he they're always kind of hosting people. It's a pretty big property. They, it, it used to be clearly like a farmer's property or probably a master's house because there's a lot of... You know, there's a chicken coop, and then there's all sorts of sheds and barns. He has a pool. There's all these things that you have to maintain. And so in the winter, when there's less clients, it's more about maintaining the property, right? And making, you know, like redoing the, the roof tiles and all these little things. But over the summer, it's been just helping out with the turnover of the clients because they have, it's laundry land here, like all all the time. There's always sheets being dried. And beds and bedrooms that need to be remade, basically. We had a kind of cute idea that, hey, maybe it would be cool to do a bed and breakfast. Before we moved here, yes. Yeah, and we actually we, yeah, we actually thought that it would that moving here would be a great way to get an inside look on how it's 
you know, it's just that kind of interest. I think a lot of a lot of us have. It's like, yeah, it might be nice to you know just settle somewhere in the countryside and do bed and breakfast. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> We're in the countryside, and it sucks. It's so monotonous. It's like uh, mowing grass. Yeah. It's just like you do the sheets, then you put them back on. They, it's so cyclical. Yeah, yeah. So cyclical. It's just like so tiring, and you're always on. Like you're either doing the laundry or cleaning the house, or you have to be there to let the guest in, and then they're making dinner. You're making breakfast. It's uh, no. Yeah, and no, it is you. kind of weird. They had someone kind of odd come and stay for a week, which Sidonie, the wife, told me was the first time in 20 years that they had someone odd. But she was like, this is my house, you know, and there's like, it's my house and and someone sleep, someone's kind of odd and not completely here mentally and sleeping in one of my bedrooms like I feel like, no, I got to have some boundaries around like where I live. And I don't think I can welcome like strangers like that. It's kind of crazy. But anyways, that's not the point. We work with them twice a week. And the other day we were, I don't know, I think we were working inside and uh, we got to talking about that. The fact that it's basically like cyclical slavery where you just you, you have to be there all the time and it's constant work. And Gilles doesn't seem happy about it most of the time. Like, it doesn't look like he's really enjoying it. it, yeah, it, lo it yeah, it looks like they're both kind of, you know, suffering through it, I guess, or yeah. doing it. Doing it in the French way. Yeah, uh, that, that's how we do it. And it actually, that, it actually led us to talk about... I can't remember how the conversation started, but you mentioned something about the price they were charging and how like it's crazy because they're not making that much money off of it if like barely any it's super really. low yeah and and then like he you said that and it it, re, it sparked a thought in my head which is like man Alistair's always thinking about profit and and then I realized it's not just Alistair seems like every American I encounter seems to be pretty at ease at least With with think, thinking about profit, and man, if there's one word you don't say in French, it's profit. I think Kanye West has a line, which uh, I'm not <laughs> profit. Profit. I got it. <laughs> the, the space is because he uh, he uses a word that that uh, I'm, I'm not gonna dare to use there. Okay. But <laughs> profit. Profit. I got it. Okay. Yeah, it's a, I think it's an old Kanye West song. <laughs> so. I don't know. It's very I, American. I don't know. But okay, so this sparked a conversation, and this is what we'd like to get into here, which is basically we started to we run up to in this kind of stuff all the time in our in our marriage. Yeah, doesn't that These, sound cool? It does sound pretty cool. <laughs> I was going to say as a couple, and I was like, no, we're married. I can say marriage. <laughs> But we run up into these kind of invisible cultural boundaries. Sometimes we get caught in like, we realize we're not talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes someone comes from a really different angle. And sometimes it's just like you almost just get hit in the face of the brick yeah. by it, you know? And you're just like, <laughs> whoa, we think about things really differently. Or like, there's something cultural here. Something is like, doesn't fit, you know? Yeah. It happens in funny ways. And this was one of those moments when you're talking about Gilles and how much he charges And, and I was just like, this is madness. So they charge almost nothing to host people and for the, the meals. Yeah. And they're proud of this. Yeah. And like, it just set up such a funny conversation between uh. us about America and France and some of, the, some of the kind of hidden assumptions, patterns that happen. Uh, yeah. I think, I think we, we, 
One thing that I really enjoy about being married to you and like being like an intercultural relationship couple is this gives me so much insight on the pervasive aspects of my culture that I don't even know are there because I, you always take it for granted. And I think every culture has this because it's like if you're bathing in your culture all the time, you don't know that there's a different you know, that there's a different way of doing it. And those things are the hardest to pinpoint and to point to because because they're always here. Yeah, it's like if you were living in a yin-yang symbol and yeah. you were just living in the white side yeah. and you just thought everything was white all the time. And yeah. then one day you kind of, you took a plane and you went over to the black side yeah. and then you realized what white was. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's like. Exactly. So we wanted to kind of facilitate that conversation <laughs> First of all, for entertainment's sake, because yeah. it's it's hilarious at times. <laughs> us, at least, is very interesting. Second of all, because we think it's kind of thought provoking. It's yeah. kind of interesting. We will say a disclaimer though here. So, so imagine this as a conversation between my America, uh, the America I know and yeah. came from. Yeah. So Western California, but like, and we're trying to get at more hidden cultural truths, but. Cultural truths or cultural assumptions are slippery mm. and hard to grab and are never always true. Yeah. So it's kind of a general thing. So give us some leeway. But we're going to try to do this as a kind of a conversation from my America and your France. Yes. And yes. we'll see if we get into some interesting places. <laughs> and Gilles charging almost nothing <laughs> to be a slave on his own damn property is a great place to start. Because... <laughs> So, so what, you know what even, okay, so maybe, like, so let's get some facts. Jill charges 60 euros for a two-bedroom place for the night. No, no, no. If it's a pilgrim. No, yeah, yeah. If, if it's a pilgrim, it's like 30 euros. It's 35 euros for a bed with the sheets you have to put them on yourself, but that... Uh, okay. And then, and then food for the evening, which is starters, main dessert... And breakfast. Yeah, and this is fairly standard on the Camino. Yeah. But I guess what just stuns me about this, they're making almost nothing. Yeah. And, and they're, like, we've seen the backside of this. So until now, I've never really realized how much work goes into an operation like this because when someone's not there, you're cleaning up the whole place. You're mopping the floors, you're va or at least they are. They're mopping the floors, vacuuming, they're doing all the sheets, Well, yeah, the it's, it's their business. It has to look yeah. decent, right? Then then they're, they have to put it, you know, they put the sheets back on. They have to be there for when the person shows up. They make dinner, 35 euros for dinner, breakfast, and a place to stay. Yeah. They're making, so they're making dinner for them, and then they're making breakfast for them. You got to go get the ingredients. You have to manage that. You're always maintaining things like dishwashers yeah. and, yeah, everything. and washing yeah. machines. The property's huge. So when he's not doing that, we're like cleaning the pool or doing something else. It's just crazy. It's nonstop maintaining and working. And in my head, I'm just like, you know what I would do if I was, if I was Gilles the first? And, and here's the thing. It's not like they're going around like, it's not like Gilles a, a Zen student and he's like, sweeping the floor and like finding enlightenment that way you know <laughs> or already enlightened no it's not like that they're they're not happy about it most yeah. of the time like they feel they they feel from the outside like they're trapped in it yeah, yeah. and they don't enjoy doing it yeah, it's yeah. not like they want to be doing work all day yeah uh clearly they enjoy parts of it and Gilles is a walker like he walks on a lot of these kind of um pathways that go through france and europe camino being one of them but there's others so 
clearly there's meaning for Gilles and Matt. But on the day-to-day, it's funny, uh, your, our, my, my sister-in-law, uh, we, we were staying at her apartment. It's my sister-in-law, It's your sister too. Shit, that's how it goes when you get married, I'm huh? right. Oh, my God. <laughs> our sister-in-law. We were staying at her apartment for a little while, and she had a magnet on her fridge that said, it said, like, a clean house is a sign of a wasted life. Yes, yes. And I thought that was hilarious. What's funny, what's funny about what's really funny about this is we ended up cleaning her apartment right after right after we saw that because uh, it was kind of messy. <laughs> <laughs> but men calling her out. No. Uh, we love you. We love we, you, Emily. We love you, Emily. But and I was just, sometimes I just think about that magnet here because it's like. To me, it's just like, we are always just doing bullshit here. We're always mowing the lawn. Okay, but... We're okay. always mowing the lawn. Let's go back. What would you do if okay, you okay. were... Okay, sorry, I'm getting off track here. <laughs> so, the first thing I would do is I would raise the price because it's dirt cheap. I would raise the price and I would hire someone to do the cleaning and the laundry. And I'd stop doing it. You know? Like, if you raise the price a little, it's like, okay, if you raise the price 20, 25% or whatever, you don't need to have the same amount of customers. Yeah. If, you, if you have less, you have less work to do. Yeah. And then raising the price, it's just economics, yeah. basically. So here is where I stepped in. And it's like just, okay, so the conversation has started. I am now France, at least the France that I know. And I'm going to make points that I don't necessarily argue like agree with but and I am now capitalist America because I'm like I'm like hearing what you're saying and it's like first of all the first thing I think is no one is going to pay if you raise the price no one you're gonna become an outs like you're gonna become ostracized if you dare raising the price on like the good people that we are you're trying to charge us more you pig you know like you fat cat pig industrialist like that's the first thing that my brain's thinking the second thing is and and we didn't talk about this when we had the first version of this but you say like you raise the pli- the price and you hire someone to do things when we hired someone for our business i remember the way you said it to people you know it's like oh yeah we've hired someone and it's like there's a sense of pride right like you hired someone that means you're successful when i say it to my family there's a layer of you have to be a little ashamed of like god you're hiring someone you mean you're too good to do the job yourself is that what you're saying you know like that's like those are true things people see see in america it's like no i'm too busy to do it because i've had way too much success so i'm hiring someone else to do it because i have other things to do that's kind of like the exaggerated like backstory of hiring someone it means you're successful or at least you can afford to pay yeah but it's like yeah I, i I get it. I, so let's go back to the first one okay. because I think the first one is particularly interesting yeah. because it, and so what we realize we're running up against here or what's happening, like we're, we're talking about a socialist or a more, a, a country that leans more socialist, France, yeah. at least by American standards. Yes. And then capitalist America. Yeah. And there's a couple of interesting things about what you said. And one of them is how shame works in our countries. Uh-huh. Because shame works very differently in France than it does in America, or at least it, it seems to. Yeah. In America, you would be shamed, or at least there is a social... Sh- Let's talk about social shame social is, a better, shame. is yeah, a better... Yeah. Social shame would happen 
if you're not able to provide for your family, if you're not making enough, yeah. right? Like that would be, that's like, I think one of the worst forms of social shame is like, you can't provide for yourself or your family. That is very shameful Man, in, that, in the U.S. You've never said it in this way and it makes so much, like it's like- And it's very socially shaming, bombs. right? Yeah, like yeah. it's one of those things. That's a fear that's in, in the U.S. Here, here it's the other side of it because- You are socially shamed if you ask for too much. Yes. Here, it's you should be able to get by on less. Yes. That's where the social... So it's on the other... It's one... It's it's on the other side of it. Yeah. So in the U.S., we're socially shamed for, for not making enough. Here, you're socially shamed for wanting to make more. Definitely. Oh, wanting to make more is like the worst sign of greediness. And, and it's like, why? You know, why do you want to make more? And I run into that when, because by now, I feel like we've created a culture, at least between the two of us, that's slightly halfway or like where I've, I've embraced some of the sides of, of your mentality that I think are, are valuable. And I can see how much I run into Not just like disapprovement, because I think my family's perfectly fine with what I'm doing, but just utter uncomprehend. Like they don't understand what I'm doing. They don't understand what I say when I say that we want to make more money or that we want to provide more. It's like it makes no sense because in France, it's like just take what you need. Don't take more. Why would you take more? There's other people needing the rest. It's like, there's a pie and we all have to eat on it. There's yes, no more yes. pies. And let's, let's explain this for a moment because I think this is an important part of the, the puzzle here, which is, uh, for those that don't know how things work in France, you have, as part of this kind of socialist, quote unquote, yeah. government, yeah. you have free education, free health care. Mm-hmm. Free, uh, free, like retirement, pretty decent retirement, pretty good retirement, and a massive social safety net. Yeah, like, if you're unemployed and, and stuff like this, and you have this dynamic where you're socially shamed if you charge more, like Gilles, right? Like, yeah. if he were to charge more, you're saying that he would lose status, and yeah, he probably wouldn't get as much customers. Yeah, so you have this, you have that aspect, but you, you have this system where in France, you don't need as much to live. Mm. And this has always really, really been striking to me, mm. especially in the youth, because here there is such a relaxed attitude. Well, I, of course, there's always the concerns of youth and stuff like that. Let's push that aside. But there is a financial relaxation or like attitude here that is yeah. much more relaxed. You guys are not fixated or concerned about money because it's not as important. You can all, almost always afford to live somewhere. Often, we just stayed with your friend, Feeks. Yeah. He's working at the farmer's market and he's got a primo loft in the middle of Bordeaux on yeah. one of the best streets. Yeah. Working in the farmer's market. Not a problem. Mm -hmm. That doesn't even compute in my mind. Yeah. That would never happen in the US. You'd be, you could never afford it. And he's not really worried. Yeah. And and I've noticed this with all your friends yeah. is none of them are very concerned about money. It everyone has enough. Like yeah. I I don't want to I don't want to make it sound better than it is. But, but No, but there's but and let's kind of if we need to stop making disclaimers during this conversation it's just like we're zooming out of 
we're, I'm not saying I have their bank statement and I know how much they're making, but I'm seeing the kind of life that they have and I can I kind yeah. of make the math. It's a feeling and, and a quality of life. Yeah. So so you have you have that aspect. Is like no one in France is is particularly concerned and usually you can make ends meet. Of course there's poverty in France. Oh, for of sure. Of course there's that going on. But in in the social circles we run, which is like for the most part young white French Americans, yeah. but I mean, in in pretty but in pretty diverse areas, yeah, like yeah. city areas. And I wouldn't areas. say my 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 social circles are like extremely affluent. They're no. privileged, but they're yeah. I'd say we. I, I would say your your parents are doctors, or let's say upper upper middle class. Yeah, I, well, yeah, but I. So I come from that, but my social circles have never been that. I've actually been more. Friends with the misfits and the you know sure, like sure. okay so, so yeah but you're you're not working middle class and you're no, 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 your friends no. so I would say upper middle class and mm. I, I think I come from a similar uh, socioeconomic right, background right. okay so here's the difference in the U S is that at least how it feels no it's not even at least how it feels it is how it is you get none of that no health insurance you have to pay for that. Mm. Uh, education. education is skyrocketing, yeah. as is insur- health insurance. They're both skyrocketing. There's almost no safety net if you get fired or lose your job. There's nothing to to catch you. In Social Security, most young people know that's fucked. Yeah. If we ever even get a piece of that, that'll be nice. Yeah. So, like, the mental attitude here is so different. And I can, for, especially for, for the young, you guys are pretty confident in your, your government and you guys have a f- pretty comfy system it's hard to get like, i much- say a lot of french people like a lot of french people wouldn't say that a lot of french people would bitch about it but from the, from the outside look that i can have now I'm like no we got it good and it shows in the attitude of everyone yeah it, it shows in there's a striving at the core in the u.s that just isn't here also because if you strive then you're socially shamed like it just doesn't work we at one point during this conversation we ran into this thing which i thought was a great explanation of the fundamental difference of how we think about profit and money and all these things is the kids on the streets in suburbia in the u.s selling fruits or selling like lemonade or the lemonade stand kind of stuff this was me my my sister, who's 12, she came over to your parents' house over the summer. So and this we is took, in San Jose, California. And we took a little walk around the block and there was a kid outside on his front lawn and he was selling, I think, like figs or something. Like he probably had like stuff that fell from his backyard. In a neighborhood where the average cost of a house is over a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so like she saw it and she was very puzzled. She was like, what is he doing? And I was like, well, he's selling fruits. And I instantly, like, it's like, it's like I'm two people at all times. And it's like, a part of me is like, oh, very nice. You want to encourage that? That's attaboy, attaboy. <laughs> and then the, the French part of me is like, Jesus Christ, kid. If you have stuff falling off your back, your backyard, just give it to me. Don't sell it to me, you greedy <laughs> bastard. It's like, why would you sell it to me? And my, my response was, he's performing a service. Yeah. He is anticipating your need for a nice juicy plum on a hot day. And he is taking resources from his backyard and bringing them out and spending his time to give them to you. Yeah, but and it's like, man, if you if you really want to anticipate my needs for a juicy plum, give it to me. If you want to, you know, like if... 
And, and this, this is yeah. This and, is French speaking here, but it's like, just give it to me, you 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 bastard! Like, <laughs> and, and America would say, "Well, why would I want to do that? Like, yeah. why would I want to sit outside and just wait for you to come by to give you, like, you know?" And yeah. and this is this always makes me think of like all the people, you know, in France. There's such a there's such a disdain for the customer. Oh, it's yeah. like you're you're just like what I've realized is here. Like everyone's kind of working. There's a sense of resentment about everything. Everything about about, about the work you have to do. <laughs> you know, it's like always like that. And and there's there's a fundamental difference about how the customer is viewed. Here, the customer is viewed with disdain because the customer brings more work you have to uh-huh. do. In the U.S., the customer is like the holy sacrament. Yeah. The, the customer is where the profit comes from. What could be more valuable and holy than that? Yeah. You know? And so it comes back to this profit thing. It's yeah. like, because we look at it that way, the cus- it's customer-centric. Here, man, you can't get anyone to do anything for you. It's so hard. It's frustrating. Do you have Do you have the word profiter? Is that a word in Profiteer? English? Profiteer. Yeah. What does yeah. that mean? I, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't give you the definition. Okay. I don't, it's not okay. a word I use. But it, well, I've never heard anyone use it. One word that we have in French is un profiteur or une profiteuse. That's like, that's a pretty bad name. That's a pretty, that's like not cool to get called that. It's the equivalent to leech. It means like you're just here to suck on other people's resources. And that's what happens when you try to raise the price here or when you try to make a profit and be, you know, business like, you know, business minded and just say like, hey, I got to make a profit to live. It's like, oh, yeah, but just take what you need. Don't take more, because when you take more, you take from someone else or you make the profit of someone else's back. And this is when I started thinking, like saying that, that I realized just how much this is rooted in like socialist and communist values that just are completely not there in the US. They're just not there. And it's funny because in France, like right now, our our president is is on the right side of things. So he's he wouldn't call himself a socialist by any means. And I'm I think he's working hard to dismantle a lot of those things but we're talking like at a fundamental level the french people expect the government to perform a lot of services and then to you know this gives us some someone to bitch about and then it forces us to think like oh we can't make more money than we need and that comes up actually fairly often in our relationship it's like i'm making a certain amount i can get by or i'm content and you're always wanting to go to go towards more and i don't get that often and i think this goes back to what i was saying before at least in part it goes back to the fact that in america there's no safety net yeah i mean if if i want to have a retirement i have to make it happen you know for for the most part and that's not true across the board in america there are still places but less and less where you can you can, uh, you know, you work there long enough and, and you, you will have retirement. But, but I mean, I think this comes down to the whole there's no safety net there in, in the U.S. That is how er- everyone's operating off that basic understanding, that reality. Yeah. And here, that's the reality is different. Yeah, but, but okay, okay. But here, let me let me ask a question as France, and I want you to answer as, like, America as best as you can. It's like, 
what I'm saying with this pie is that I feel like America is just thinking that like, oh, I'll eat the whole pie myself and then we'll just make no, another no. pie. No, 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 because you don't understand how a pie works. You put the pie in the oven, it expands. That's how we think. Mm. You get a piece of the pie, but then you make the pie bigger. Then everyone gets more. That is the psychology of America. Yeah. France thinks the pie is limited, and if you take a bigger piece, it's zero sum. Someone else gets less of a piece. Yes. And to some degree, that's true in a socialist uh, economy, right? Like, to some degree, if you take more out of the system, it does mean there's less in the system for other people, and you guys are all relying on that system to provide for everyone. Yeah. In the U.S., that system is based on industry. If you make more... The industry profits, too. I mean, like, America profits. Everyone makes more. There's taxes. You have more to spend. Like, it makes more for everyone. At least that is the assumption. But That's not often the truth, but... And it's... But, okay, and I'm still... Think friends. about trickle-down economics. Think about that whole idea. Maybe you're not familiar with it. I don't it. even know what that is. Trickle-down okay. economics was a, was, a, was a conservative policy. I think it was Reagan. I'm pretty sure it was Reagan. This is this idea is that if you gave, like, tax cuts and tax breaks up top, it was going to trickle down to the oh, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Some people are trying to make that happen in France. Turns out people just don't hire and keep the money for themselves. Oh, weird. Shock, shocker. <laughs> Fuck. But, okay, okay, I think... Hang on, hang on. I think there's another aspect of this that, that is worth saying. There's a sensation. There's a sensation of crabs in a bucket. In yeah. France. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the kind of the, the image of crabs in a bucket. One crab tries to get out of the bucket. All the other ones, like, claw at it and pull it back in. Yeah. And everyone stays stuck at the bottom of the bucket. That's kind of how, the, how it feels in Try France. to be an entrepreneur in France and you'll really understand what that means. No one encourages you. Beyond the red tape complications of that, it's just this is not something that you do. You don't become an entrepreneur because becoming someone who owns their own business makes you a fat cat capitalist. It's almost like ideally everyone should work for the government or for a branch of public service and just stay there. Yeah, and just and just not make as much because you don't if you make less then everyone else can like it's I guess it's a social good for everyone else if if you don't make as much. This leads to resentment. Oh, we completely. see it all over the place completely. because people are stifled. Everyone's feeling a little trapped. Yeah. You can feel it. It's 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 what it feels like here. Yeah. In America, I think the the what you see is one upmanship. It's the Joneses. It's always doing better than the other. Yeah. And so you have this hyper competitiveness yeah. that happens. Where we're like going, 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 and we always have to one up the other person. Instead of staying at the bottom, we're all trying to race to the top. I think there's one other aspect that, like, kind of stuck with me when we were talking about this, is, like, this fundamental difference in assumptions in, like, the culture is also what is striking me when I compare, I use the example of the hippie. Let's just kind of take this idea, the hippie the modern day hippie, like a person that's around my age or a little a little older and that I would qualify as a hippie, which is like someone who is aware of like the ecological problems and is like living out of a place where they're really trying to 
change things and make sure that um, that you know they're helping and they're not contributing to more problems with the environment and stuff. And so that's your definition of a hippie. That's um, I'm just using this word to simplify it. It's not a hippie, but it, I don't have a better word for environmentalist. This. No, because. I'm also thinking about like people who have a different way of thinking, like more spiritual. Like there's also that element with it. Like yeah. my the- definition of hippie is someone who smokes a lot of pot and doesn't really have very developed ideas and just thinks of everything as like a wavy gravy spirituality where it's like there's they haven't really thought about it a lot because they're smoking way too much pot. To oh think about Jesus! It. Okay, it's Let's cool, just, man. It's just cool. bear with me. I'm trying to make a point here. I'm not trying to argue what a hippie is. Right on. Right oh on. My God, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so that hippie in France. Which one, your hippie or my hippie? My hippie. <laughs> Jesus, my God. Okay, the that hippie. I I try to like take two specimens: one American version and one French version. Okay. And it's funny because they are so different that they could even like their values are the same, but they honestly couldn't even communicate if they tried to. It's like the the French hippie is Julie. She works like she sells produce at her farmers market around here. She lives in the in an over in a nearby village. She, I don't know, probably, I would say in her late 30s, but she looks way older. Because she smokes, she's smoking cigarettes. Ch- cigarettes, rolled cigarettes all day, you know, like the poor tobacco, like the t- yeah. the cheapest tobacco you can buy. And, uh, and like, she just is sitting behind her stand with her produce, resenting life every second of every day. And the only moments where you see her being a little happy is when she encounters another hippie and they just talk about how fucked up the government and society and the world is. It's a really thorny type. It's not a very pleasant person to be around. Very thorny, very angry. Yeah, a lot of of bent up anger. And this is one of the things is, is, is you guys are always, when two French people meet, the way you guys connect is to talk shit about something else. For sure. You have to. Like, that's that's the main thing. And we actually made this point. That it's like, maybe that's why people smoke so much here. You know, like, maybe that's why cigarette is such a big thing, a big addiction. It's like, that's a great way to manage anger. Or yeah, well, well it, manage. And it, blo- it blows my mind because you, you guys must be the richest first world country that has smoking rates the yeah. way you do. And yeah. it doesn't make any sense. No, I think you're right. You, you probably are right. But anyways, so this person... And the mentality of the French hippie is absolutely less, is less, 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 lots of anger and less. It's like, and here, let me just give you the American version of the hippie so we can compare. The American version of the hippie, it doesn't really work on less. Like, I follow a few women on Instagram who are like, for instance, I, I think about this particular woman, woman who I, I really like. And she's like, she has a property in Northern California and she is a herbalist. So, like, she has an online business uh, selling, like, herb-infused oils that she makes herself. She grows most of the stuff herself, organic, da-da-da. She has a podcast, and it's just like, man, the striving, the doing more, the let me produce something else. Here, here's a bottle, but it's glass, and I made it, you know, it's like ethically made, but it's still made, and it's still more, and it's and it, it kind of blows my mind because those are also the same people. And this is going to be a very particular thing, but it's just because for me, this is so critical. 
when we moved in here, because I kind of put myself in that category as well. Like I'm, I'm in that move, in that vibe. When we moved in here, at first I tried to wash our dishes with ashes from the fire. <laughs> I realized it wasn't working very well. So I decided that we would instead use only Marseille soap for every of, for all of our washing needs in the caravans, like our face, our body, our, our, um, the laundry and also the dishes. The point of this is that it comes absolutely not packaged. It's just a square and it's solid and you can just buy it like this and it, maybe there's paper around it. In the US, people are like, Oh, I love Dr. Browner's. Let's just, you, it, you can use it for everything. And then it comes in a plastic bottle. I don't understand that it's like, it's like, that's the difference for me. That's a fundamental difference of like, I feel like the French person are, is always trying to do less and get less and do less, but then they resent it because it's not sustainable. And then the Americans are like, yeah, we need to save the earth, but let's still do it through more. Yeah. And, and there's an ignorance in that, or it feels like it at least. You are getting at our... Uh, it's, okay, this was probably very clumsy, and I apologize if I offended anyone through this little rant, but I'm just trying to get at a core concept that is hard to yeah, put in words. Well, you're getting, I think, a core assumption in America, or the, the, an ethos that we that we act on, is always add more. It's always an, an ethos of, of addition or action. Yeah. It's always do something. Mm. It that that's how it is. It's mm. not we rarely think about doing less or the things we could not do. I think this goes back to the pie gets always bigger like there's something, you know, yeah. it, there's something there. Where in France it's very re- reduce 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 yeah. to the point of like I'm going to ignore my own personal needs mm-hmm. for the greater good in an unhealthy way. And in America it's like I'm going to I'm going to do things to change, but like those things inherently sometimes can cause more problems than they fix. It's definitely, there's definitely a a very different mindset between the two. I've often kind of railed on this, this more, more, more mindset in America because it's so pervasive. And once you get out of the U.S., you realize just, just how farcical it is yeah. at times of just like it's we always think we need to add something to fix the problem and i think there's a certain control element that comes into that if you're doing something you're in control you feel like you are acting on it and and we're just not you, you go talk to a few americans about changing their life by do, by reducing by doing less by not eating something by not by stopping doing a bunch of shit yeah they're going to look at you just like with blank eyes and, and, and then they're going to go get that like, you know, get that green smoothie that's promising all the B12 vitamins they need for the day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I, it's so it's very confusing, all of this, because ultimately, I don't think that either of those sides no. are We're talking about unhealthy caricatures on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Right. Like the, neither of those. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, we Americans exemplify one side of it and French exemplify the other. Neither of these are good yeah. or like in their unhealthy aspects. And both of them have value in certain ways. They can be combined. We're, we're actually, we're trying to combine it in, in a way that would make more sense for us. I think we're, yeah, I think we're trying to pick and choose and, and see which one's like, okay, that makes sense. Okay, that doesn't. It means that we're doing a lot of myth busting between the two of us. Yeah. And that we run into a lot of things where it's like, okay, well, why do you think like that? Because 
we come from different backgrounds, but we're now going toward the same future. Mm. And so there's complications that happen there. I think something else that's worth mentioning, at least in a very general sense, is our country's histories, right? Like at least the recent histories. Your country got to be France we know today by killing the king. Yeah. <laughs> you guys killed your king. Yeah. So, I mean, just think about like like social dynamics yeah, yeah, yeah. that go behind founding a, a, a country that way. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I can understand why anyone who's starting to lord it a little bit too much yeah. is going to get like, is going to get chopped down yeah. because that's exactly what you guys did. Our country was founded on industry. We became the world power we did because we came to, okay, it, we came to a, a blank new world, quote unquote. Yeah, Obviously yeah. it wasn't. We, we, uh, we slaughtered Indians by the millions. But, but we, the, our, America we know came to be because of industry, because we built it. Mm. And so that is like the social dynamic. Is that we are building, 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 and creating more. And it, it has been our reality that, for the most part, if you work hard, and it's been at least our cultural story, is that if you work hard, you can create more. And that's going to benefit you and your family and the society and everything like that. One thing that is also that is kind of striking when I try to hold two pictures of the... Like, the two pictures next to one another, at least in the way they're they're in my head, is like there is a an uprising of of ideas and a changing of consciousness that is happening in the US and in the English language that is not happening in French. Like I feel like France is just getting stale and and kind of um Uh, shriveling up and like dying in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of conversations that I can't have with my family because we don't have the same vocabulary to talk about stuff. Like, for instance, I'm super inspired by Brene Brown's work. And when I mention a couple of the concepts as best I can in France to my mom, it's like revolutionary for her. Like, no, that wasn't that. revolutionary. What? How do you revolutionary? Say? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Revolutionaire. It's, it's like, it's like a, it's, it changes. I don't know. It's like, it's the first time she's heard those concepts. And I feel like there's a lot of shaping and changing that's happening because of that mindset of doing more, building more and all that. Whereas in France, I feel like there's a lot of shriveling up and just waiting for death. I mean, we met, we said, we said that or too. bringing it to you in, in with the cigarettes. Yeah, I we, mean, we said that like when we were talking about the cigarettes, we were like making the comparison how in the US there's, or at least in that, like coastal areas because i can't say i know the rest but there's this a uh, healthy attitude of like wanting to promote health wanting to live longer wanting to live healthier supplements and you can just see this with cigarettes you use this as a great case study between france and america if you want to smoke a cigarette in, in california you have to go outside yeah uh, like right wherever you are you're gonna to have to go outside yes. you're going to leave the group yes. to go smoke your cigarette And maybe one or two other people are going to come with you. But that's the general experience. Yeah. In France, if you don't want to, I mean, if you smoke, you're going to smoke with everyone, like, wherever you are. If, in It's, France, if you don't smoke, you're out of the social yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. Whether or not you can smoke 
in a public setting or not. Where, no, you, you can't, but what that translates to is you go to a bar with a bunch of friends. If you don't smoke, you stay in the bar and you're the one keeping everyone's bags while everyone's outside <laughs> smoking. That's what's happening. The in-group is the smokers. Yes. The out-group is the non-smokers yes. and it's vice versa in, in, in the U.S. It's kind of phenomenal. But there's kind of this obsession with health and like living longer and, and that I feel like that goes with the doing more. Yeah, you guys are kind of just like, oh, fuck it. What's the reason anyway? Let's just let's just die soon. You know, you guys you guys have like that. You guys are all about the food, the sex, the cigarettes. Like, you know, like it's just life's earthly pleasures, yes. right? And you're like, well, let's just live them up, and then we'll die. And and you guys don't really to you guys don't really seem to think very hard about that. And then we'll die. Part of it. Yeah. It's no. like, that that's not going to just happen. <laughs> it's going to be kind of miserable. But so that's the way you guys think. And then I think we're on the other side is we're, we're so terrified to death. We're trying to do everything we can never to see it. Yeah. You know, I think this conversation, which has been pretty sprawling at this point and kind of a little, <laughs> bit, a little bit, all crazy, over the place. It, it's very fascinating and it's, it's very illuminating for us personally because you know, a lot of these caricatures that we're talking about, they're outside, but they're also inside, right? They're actually also places I act from and you act from. And so a lot of a lot of this exploration, although we're trying to use kind of examples from the outside world, uh, also show up in our relationship through our actions and behaviors and beliefs and thoughts. And so I think a lot of the the worst examples of this actually show up internally yeah. in, in our kind of relationship and our dialogues and and it's been very interesting because we become more aware of it, which until I traveled and until I met you, I think those two things have probably been the most helpful in realizing my cultural biases is getting out and like living in a very different world for a long period of time and yeah. severing most of my contact with the with the U.S., um, which is very different than taking a two-week, you know, for va- sure. vacation somewhere. Uh, and then meeting you and ha- and running into them in daily life and like all the ways you get blindsided by that. Uh, those have been the things that have really started to shine lights on the way I think and realizing, you know, it's hard because I talk to Americans and I recognize some of the things you talk about yeah. and they don't. Yeah. They don't know. Like, and I didn't either until I came out. It's like a fish that has magically come out of water trying to explain what water is to the rest of the fish. It's almost impossible if you don't have the the yin and the yang to actually compare it to. Yeah, otherwise, it just becomes these deep embedded assumptions, yeah. which create a culture, I guess. And it's hard also because although we recognize them, I still act from them more often than not. You yeah. know, it's not like I'm an enlightened individual because I can see some of these things. We still act on them all the time. Yeah, a lot of like my typical French reaction are still in me. Like there's a little bit of social shame of, you know, like wanting to create a life that's different than what France is telling me I should aspire to. And despite the support and love of my family, which I'm extremely grateful for, there's like a general, I feel like there's a misunderstanding. I feel like I'm speaking, well, literally I'm speaking a different language, but I, some even in French, sometimes I just have a hard time 
conveying what I'm trying to do to to a lot of my family and it makes me feel a little bit like an outsider it's I think I'm getting used to that and and I think like that will also ebb and flow and you know that's fine but yeah I do see how hard it is for me to unlearn it's like it's hard for me to unlearn some of those cultural deep cultural concepts that I was raised with now that even though I've unearthed them but it's also just hard to communicate with my my uh, fellow French men and women and try to convey what I'm doing because I also feel like I'm doing things that are so out there and so different and that it turns out I am becoming a profiteur (laughs) you know it's like parts of me are really resisting this I think I can definitely relate with the experience you're sharing, although from a somewhat upside down way, because I don't speak French. I'm learning a little bit of it, but I live in France. And so I also feel like an outsider uh, quite a bit. I'm not French. I I don't even integrate very well with (laughs) with your culture. You know, I kind of still, I'm an outsider in the culture, but I'm also outside of America. And to, and I've spent enough time outside of it that I feel like an outsider when I go back there, even though, you know, I know my roots are there and I know that I'm more American than not. But uh, I also have a hard time kind of a lot of times relating or communicating. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things we speak the same language, but I can't say. Yeah. And that's also frustrating. I think uh, the last word of this conversation will be a French expression, a French idiom to explain how we feel, I think, both. Um, le cul entre deux chaises. The ass between two chairs. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Far Out Podcast. <laughs> Merci, merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup d'être là avec nous aujourd'hui. <laughs> Just playing the French card everywhere. We'll make this one short. Yes. So you can find the show notes for this episode at thefaroutpodcast.com. Yes. And there are a few ways you can support us. One is you can subscribe. If you have not subscribed, think about subscribing to the podcast. We'd yes. love to have you here every week. For sure. Second way is for you to share this episode with someone who might resonate, who might find it funny, or, you know, anything. Just share it, spread it out, spread the word, spread the love. Yes, please. And number three is... You can leave us a review! Yes. Leave us a review! Because then we'll read it, like what you heard at the beginning of this episode. I hope it's going to be on this episode. It is. Okay, great. (laughs) On the beginning of this episode. Yeah, yeah. We'll do that for you. And uh, yeah, we love it. And it helps us grow. Toodles. Until next time. Toodles. Toodles.